0: Hey, this is John Acuff. Welcome to the podcast. I can't wait for today's episode. Um, It's going to be really, really fun, really, really fast. It's two Atlanta-based friends, Joel Larsgaard and Matthew Altmix. They're the co-hosts of How to Money. How to Money is an amazing podcast. It was created in 2018, and the podcast helps people gain personal financial knowledge in a fun and interesting way. Skills include debt payoff, DIY investing, money tricks for rich living on less money. And the podcast has absolutely blown up. I think people love that it's unbiased, it's jargon-free, it's real money advice, and they've got 20 million downloads since they started. I love to talk about goals on this podcast. Obviously, the podcast is called All It Takes is a Goal. So I thought it'd be fun to do our first real money episode, to have two good friends jump in and say, hey, here's some smart things you can do with your money. Here's how to money. So today's episode is going to be a blast. But first, Today's episode is sponsored by MediShare. Have you guys ever had buyer's remorse? You know, that feeling of intense regret because the thing you thought you just had to have was only something you used once or twice. For me, it was the time I bought a really expensive road bike because I thought I was going to get into cycling. I proceeded to hang it on the wall of my garage and feel ashamed for six months. Well, I know some of you are experiencing buyer's remorse right now for something much more frustrating. You know what I'm talking about. It's the health care you rush to get during open enrollment last December. Well, I have some good news for you. You've probably heard me talking about our main sponsor for this podcast, Metashare. And these guys have the answer to healthcare buyer's remorse. Check this out. Members of MediShare save up to 50% or more per month on their healthcare costs. They say the typical family saves up to $500 per month. And here's the best part, you can become a member at any time. So that means it isn't too late to ditch your buyer's remorse and switch to a more affordable healthcare that will save you money and help you sleep better at night. If this is your first time you're hearing about MediShare, it is the best alternative to health insurance that allows you to share the burden of medical bills, offers access to 900,000 plus healthcare providers, and has a proven 25-year track record. Plus, in addition to saving hundreds per month as a member of MediShare, you will also have access to free telehealth and free telecounseling. You won't find that with any traditional health insurance provider. Guys, it only takes two minutes to see how much you could save. Go investigate that for yourself and your family at MediShare.com slash John. That's MediShare.com slash John. Remember, John doesn't have an H in it. So it's M-E-D-I, that's Meta, share, S-H-A-R-E dot com slash J-O-N. All right. So the concept, guys, of today's episode is very simple. We call it New Friend Friday. It's a chance for me to connect with new people and share new information with my audience. The concept is simple, five questions on a Friday for 15 minutes with new friends. So Matt and Joel, thanks for joining me today.
1: Dude, thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. uh, We appreciate
2: it.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We have Atlanta in common. I I teased you about Nashville versus Atlanta because I feel like (laughs) most of Atlanta now lives in Nashville. Um, But I spent some time in Alpharetta. So I love that we've got some overlap in our our Southern roots, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. That's right. We're staying here until there's nobody left, man. Like even if they all move to Nashville, (laughs) I'm staying put.
0: Nice. You heard it here. You heard it here first. So guys, (laughs) I want to start question number one. What is the worst, most common money advice that you run into? Ooh. Oh gosh,
1: that there there are so <laughs> many bad ones, John. It's re, it's so hard to pinpoint one thing, but I, I guess like the the thing that most people hear overall is that they should start investing. And I think we've seen this trend right now of people investing before they know what they're doing. They're investing in. Made up cryptocurrencies, right? Before they start investing in <laughs> joke
2: in, meme right,
1: coins, right? Yeah. In, in like the most basic ways <laughs> possible, before they even start putting money into their tax advantaged accounts, like a 401k or an IRA, they're like on the Robinhood app and they're tossing, you know, all their spare cash into things that are highly volatile, um, that they don't really know much about. And so, I think investing is a good thing, but I think right now the current environment in which we're talking about
2: investing is it's fraught with a lot of perils for a lot of indi- individual investors. Yeah. And not to mention, so we've seen the rise of Robinhood, right? And uh, I think at this point, they have somewhere between 15 and 20 million users. They saw a 6 million increase in the number of folks that joined their platforms in two months earlier this year. And so that tells you uh, <laughs> something about the number of folks who are looking to uh, cash in uh, Get rich th- quick. or <laughs> joining that casino-like kind of mentality that's going on when it comes to uh, single stock investing, jumping on, on the, uh, the cryptocurrencies before they have basic things in place, like an emergency fund, before they're taking advantage of tax advantage accounts, just like Joel mentioned, especially the ones that have a match at work.
0: Do you think that, and this is question number two, I need to transition properly. <laughs> Do you think that sometimes when something successful we listen to the story of the success, but don't ever ask about all the work that went behind it. And and that's part of, you know, you hear so-and-so made X amount of dollars on investing. I need to invest. And there's no background. It's just, I'm going to throw my money at this thing.
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's the power of a narrative, right? People love stories. They like hearing folks win. <laughs> and in particular, when it comes to their money, they see something and they think, well, I can do that. Like, that, that took nothing for them. Uh, they don't see... You know, for some individuals like Warren, the Warren Buffetts and Charlie Mungers of the world, uh, they don't see the decades worth of research that goes into successfully investing their money and doing it over not only years but decades, right? And so, when we've seen the markets rebound like we've seen uh, since last March, it looks easy. And when 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 folks are winning with their money, uh, everybody thinks that they can replicate that. But unfortunately, I mean, I'm not going to predict any any uh, downturns in the market. But at some point, that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm I'm a little concerned as to the kind of effect that's going to have on some of these newer investors.
0: 100%. This is my third question. Transitioning is passive income a myth. I love that you guys talk about that. And I want to hear your thoughts. Because I think there's a lot of people on a podcast about goals that might say, okay, I've got a goal to have a side hustle. I've got a goal to try something. I want to be kind of a like, tiny bit of entrepreneur spirit. Like, And I keep hearing about passive income and it's they just bring dump trucks of money to your driveway while you sleep. And I want that money. So is passive income a myth?
1: So I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here because (laughs) because I do think there there is a reality to the idea of passive income. And it is something that you can, with hard work and time, actually begin to have in your life. Um, But it is one of those things that does take both of those ingredients, I think. Um, And so whether it's stock investing, you know, whether it's investing in index funds, in your 401k or in your IRA, like doing that, work over 30 years. The goal is that you have passive income that you don't have to work once you hit your you know 50s or 60s. Right. And, you know, with the fire movement, maybe even a little bit earlier 30, than that. 30s and 40s. <laughs> 30s yeah. and 40s. And so that idea can become a reality. It's just one of those things that does take time, a lot of intentionality, a lot of sacrifice, because to get to that point in time, you're gonna have to spend a lot less than you earn. And you're gonna have to be sucking that money away. And I think, you know, something like real estate is is another, area of investing where it gets talked about in this way like well yeah get your get your passive investment game on and buy some real estate but there's work involved in that too Matt and I each own a few properties and you know we have to find tenants we have to you know make repairs and there are all sorts of things that go into owning a property granted I'm glad like it's been a good return for us like I'm I'm thankful to be a real estate investor but at the same time it's not as easy or as simple as just passive income like there yeah there's other things at play
0: Now, you mentioned the FIRE movement. For someone who hasn't heard of that, define it. And I want to hear Matt and Joel's opinion of the FIRE movement, because it's massive online, like it's gigantic online.
2: It's massive, and it it continues to grow, right? So FIRE is financial independence, retire early. And so it's it's a movement. And essentially, it's no different than the, you know, the, the traditional idea of retirement, where you work, you invest your money, and then you have that money to fund your lifestyle, to pay the bills. Except for, obviously, the biggest difference is it's retire early. It's the ability to do that on a truncated time schedule. So yeah, I mean, it's something that Joel and I, that we are both pursuing. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we know folks in the space that have become too obsessed with the idea of financial independence. And because of that, what they've done is they've pushed a lot of things to the side in their life, whether that's their health, whether that's their family, other important relationships and when you're so focused on something like your number, you know, your, your number, like everybody know, or not everybody, but a lot of folks uh, <laughs> who are in the fire movement know that once they achieve this magical number, that that's when they can quit their job. That's when they can shift gears, you know, spend time on the beach, whatever it is that they want to do. It's up to the individual. Uh, but when you purely focus on that number, you're sacrificing a lot along the way. And unfortunately, we've seen some folks kind of get to that point. And then they realize that, gosh, like, what is there left? There there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There's no pot of gold. They don't find fulfillment. And there's a lot of individuals who have gone back to work because maybe they they even put too much of their self-worth, too much of their identity in their work. And, you know, we're big fans of work. Uh, but you got to find that balance between striving for independence while also finding ways to bring value to other people. Yeah, I think those first two letters
1: are the best two letters, the financial <laughs> independence part, right? And the retire early, we're less enthused about. I think if it's running away from work, if it's this attempt to mm. like live as frugally as possible now so that you can eventually you know, quit work and live as frugally as possible then, because that's kind of what's required for most people when it comes to fire. Um, I think that's, that's not a good thing. Like, We want people to enjoy their work or to pursue something that they love in the here and now. And if it means not being able to invest as much, that's okay. Um, because, yeah, life's not all about quitting work at the age of 35 or 40. And um, there, there are some merits, too. I think there's a lot of things that people could learn from the FIRE movement. There are a lot of really smart people in it. But at the same time, yeah, it, it can be sometimes reactionary. If you're pursuing it for that reason, it's not a great thing.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't want a life I need to escape from. Right, yeah. I love the work I do. I love that there's I'm sure a retirement at some point in the future, but but I also know if I was 40 and I was done, I don't know that it's reasonable to think you'd spend 20 years hustling, really working hard and then when you get the number, you're going to be a completely mm-hmm. different person and now you're like Joe, relax. Like I think <laughs> you've just taught yourself to sprint for twenty years. Yes, I, that's a tough transition to. And now I live in Key West, and I have a cat, <laughs> and this is my cat, and I write poems about my cat. It could be multiple cats too. Let's be honest. I think a lot of cats. I think you do <laughs> real heavy into cats. That's, I think you would. That's what have, you do
2: with your time when you're anyway. Exactly. <laughs>
0: like if you've taught yourself to be aggressively motivated and hustling, you don't turn that off with a. Sw- I mean like you said, it's not, it's not the balance. And the other thing is missing your family for the number. Like you have one shot at their childhood. Like you Mm. don't get to repeat that. I've never met somebody's kid who said, yeah, I didn't know my dad growing up, but I have a really cool bike. And (laughs) so like it's (laughs) front suspension and rear. So at the end it works out. And so I think, I think you're right. I think it's, there's some great things, but there's also balance. I'm curious. Question number four, what are the four books about money you'd put on your Mount Rushmore of financial advice? So I'm a listener of this podcast. Money is one of my goals. I want to kind of, you know, figure out some things. You guys have to pick four books that are on the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of financial advice. Who are you putting up there?
2: All right. The first one I would recommend is The Richest Man in Babylon. This is, it's, this is a super old school book. And it's been a minute, honestly, since I've, since I've read it. But the I mean, it's, it's written in parable form. And the lessons that he's able to weave into these stories, uh, you know, based in like ancient Greece are timeless. And so he, he, he explains these principles behind I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's spending less than you make and, and making sure that you're using that money to, uh, put towards essentially buying more money that will earn you more money down the road. It's, it's essentially finding ways to, uh, invest and, and making sure that you're not solely dependent on your ability to work and to labor uh, to provide for yourself. And so, uh, yeah, I'll I'll put that one out there as my uh, personal number one. Okay, I'll go number two here. I think that
1: another really important book in the repertoire is The Simple Path to Wealth. Matt and I are all about simplicity. I think the financial services industry wants to make you think that money is really, really difficult and that you can't do it by yourself. And like investing is super complicated. And a lot of that is, is just bunk, like it's just not true. And there's a lot of really smart DIY investors. It doesn't take just this massive amount of knowledge or someone holding your hand that charges you massive fees to figure it out. And so simplicity is a huge part, a huge theme in our show. And so yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite books by JL Collins, The Simple Path to Wealth. Matt, you got the third
2: one. Yeah, so I'll continue the investing theme, and I'm I'm kind of torn between like the the millionaire real estate investor. I think that one's by uh, like one of the Keller Keller Williams guys. Uh, that that one was really important to me early on, just to understand real estate and essentially how to approach. So hopefully, I think I'm going to I'm about to spout out two of them here. But Joel, <laughs> you, you you still get a second just one.
0: Give me a bit of a two face kind of <laughs> like Batman villain up on top yeah, of I your guess Mount so. Rushmore.
2: But uh, gosh, so for that for me that one allowed me to see that when you invest in real estate, you you don't do it to collect properties. You're not a collector, you're an investor. And so what that means is making sure that you're looking at the numbers, because at the end of the day, it's less about how you feel about it. And it's more about the actual business of real estate. And so kind of related to that one, though, it also has to do with with investing. But the behavioral investor by Daniel Crosby, I I just thought was so good. He just attacks head on the fact that when it comes to investing, It's not about the numbers. And so this is sort of the uh, (laughs) two-faced answer that you're alluding to. Uh, Because you can know all the nuts and bolts. You can know how uh, individual retirement accounts work. You can understand all the things that you're supposed to do. But if you don't do them, uh, and if if you're not taking the actions to ensure that you are doing the smart things, well, it doesn't matter. You can have all the knowledge in the world. If you're not acting on it, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: I was just going to say, that's when people ever tell me something is common sense. I always say, well, are you doing it? And if they say no, then then that's the most amazing thing in the world you've ever heard. We all know, okay, doing sit-ups is better than not doing sit-ups. <laughs> but you shouldn't go, that's just common sense, if you're not doing sit-ups. So I completely agree with that. I cut you off. What's book number four? Right. Really like five-ish. Yeah, yeah
1: I know. Kind of like that. <laughs> book number, number four or five is The Psychology of Money by Morgan Household. And so much of how we interact with our money has all these like, there's all these ingrained patterns. Um, that left over from childhood or, you know, conversations we've had with our spouse or the friends we've surrounded ourselves with. We have this idea or this vision of money and how hard or easy it is to make money. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of those biases come into play with a lot of our spending decisions. Uh, Our brains get in the way. And so, you know, Morgan Household does a great job in his book, The Psychology of Money, really kind of pinpointing some of those things to help you change um, but also too, he's a really good storyteller. So it's less just like nuts and bolts, like um, do I have to, you know, learn interest rates and uh, compounding, compounding rate of returns. It really, uh, he does a great job at telling these really great stories that help drive home the point.
0: I, I love it. I've only I have The Richest Man in Babylon, but I hadn't heard of those other ones. So that's a that's a great list that I think is going to be helpful to a lot of people. And we're already at question number five, which is why this is so fun and so fast. So I want to shift for a second. Your podcast, How to Money, is blowing up. Um, We'll certainly link to it in the show notes. 20 million downloads since 2018, which is crazy. And I talk about goals a lot in this podcast. It's right there in the name. That's a huge goal you've accomplished. And you're continuing to build, continuing to grow it. What were the steps that helped you the most? Maybe I'm listening to this and I'm going... Oh wow, these guys clearly have a passion for this. They clearly have spent a lot of time building expertise. And I want to do a podcast too, or I want to do a book mm. too. Like, what were the steps that helped you the most?
2: I would say the number one thing, consistency. This oh, is people some-
0: hate that word, but it's true. <laughs> it is, I was afraid you were I was hoping yep. you were gonna say a Sorry. magic thing I bought on the internet <laughs> from a genie. Pure talent. <laughs> Pure talent. I just showed up and was handsome and then it oh, all that's, worked that's right.
2: out. No, I mean this and this is something I'll credit Joel with. So early on we 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 had the ideas to you know, to create this podcast. Anytime we got together, uh I mean anyway, we're we're sitting down cracking open a, a craft beer. Every every episode on our show we have a craft beer because it's for us it's a way to symbolize that we're not sacrificing too much now. We're we're enjoying life a little bit right now. We're, we're It's not all about deprivation, right? How so.
0: how did you come up with that? Did you do it once and you're like, wait, this was dope, and then you started to do it again? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, just early we just on like beer, man. Yeah, that's just, what we, we did. Just like that
1: craft beer. <laughs> that's what we did before we started creating the podcast. Was we would talk about money and have beer, and so it was just this natural, natural, natural thing. It's like yeah. this is what I we love do. That. Let's translate it to audio. Exactly. How many
0: of those have been hazy IPAs in the last six oh, months? Oh,
2: shut up. Way too many. <laughs> like 80% of them at Do this point. Do you feel point. like
0: we have enough hazy IPAs? No. I feel like there's oh, don't a new know. one. I
2: think, I think we might be inundated so at this good. point. You're up there in Nashville. You've got plenty of uh, great no, breweries. No, it's not great up here. Well. We
0: don't have total wine, total beer and wine like you oh, guys have in Atlanta. That's, like that's you true. guys have massive Walmart like beer selections. <laughs> we have seven beers available. Oh, um, my we'll gosh.
2: Move on down. The water's nice, Joe. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Right. But so I want to continue that thought, though. So early on, I mean, we we created a few of those episodes. Joel and I, we sat down, we had a conversation, and, and I credit Joel with this. And he said, you know what? Like, we, we need to make sure that we're consistent. That way, if we're actually going to give this thing a chance, we need to be consistent. It needs to look like that we are being serious about this. It, it, it needs to look like that we're seri- serious enough about this that listeners will want to listen. And I would have been content with just like, yeah, maybe let's record one. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll record another one. And uh, early on, we're like, okay, let's let's stick with the once a week. And, you know, so that's how we started early on. You know, I, I think you were like, yeah, we, we don't want to be Bush League, you know, like. <laughs> I, we,
1: yeah. AAA, that was kind of our <laughs> mindset. Like, let's be AAA. Let's nice. be good. Let's be professionals about this. Like, we don't have to knock it out of the park, have the fanciest microphones. But, but yeah, we did need to be consistent and we needed to be solid. And I think like, yeah, one of the other major things for us was listen to the feedback that we're getting like some of those early reviews, especially the one stars, were the most helpful at helping us like <laughs> oh, home what we wanted to do. You guys them read do. them, dude. So they, they I,
2: tell you not to read the reviews, uh, but early on, I mean, we were willing to to yeah to face the crowds. The and one see star what they had to reviews
1: say. now are are just incredibly different, right? Like they they do <laughs> they do bum me out, but they're they're less I think um, constructive. Like they're more just like really don't like these guys, not going to listen again. And I'm like, that's okay. Like there there are people that our show's not for. It's Not your jam. Yeah, but early on, it was like, man, if these guys would just do this, this, and this, this show would actually not suck. Um, And so, like, I tried to learn from those things. It was certainly like, there's either don't look at them at all, or let them completely ruin your day. But then there's also, actually, there's really important bits. There was a lot of change that we made to the podcast early on when some of those reviews came in that made it way
2: better. Yeah, yeah. We suck less now.
0: (laughs) That's great. I'll, I'll write that down. So, I took consistency craft brew, and suck less. I think <laughs> suck less. A lot of business books don't tell you that.
2: Yeah, it's that's that's key. That's key. But uh, reading
0: the reviews, you're so right. Um, I think, especially if it's constructive. Um, if it's, I hate your hair. This is the hair I have. Like This is my head. It's like a 2008 youth minister. I can't, it's what I got going. <laughs> but if it's constructive and they say, I wish they talked about this, or they talk too much over the guest, like, you know, oh, that's, that's a good point. I did yeah. do that. So... These are awesome. Guys, you know, the last kind of bonus question is where can people find out more about you? Um, We'll definitely link to the the podcast, How to Money. But if people are saying, okay, I'm interested in Joel and Matt, like, where do they go?
1: So um, yeah, just howtomoney.com. We got a website. We have articles up there too, and all of our episodes. But yeah, you can listen to us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Check it out. Um, We'd love to have you in the How to Money community. We also have like a, a Facebook group. People can join. They're helping each other out too, which is one of the cool parts um, to see our listeners like really jump in and take care of one another um, in their money questions.
0: Great, great. And last thing, I um, wanted to give you kudos. Congrats on iHeartMedia. Um, that's been huge. Like, I don't want to miss that as a, as an accomplishment that you built up something awesome and they came in and said, hey, we love what you're doing. So kudos on that. It's always great to be connected to a big brand like iHeart.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, they've been been incredible to work with, that's for sure. They've been good to us.
0: Perfect, perfect. Well, guys, thanks for joining me today. Um, Can't wait to share this episode with folks. And remember, all it takes is a goal. I'll see you next week. (laughs) This episode of the podcast was brought to you by Metashare. Text John, J-O-N, to 474747 for more information. Huge thank you to MediShare for sponsoring it. J-O-N, to 474747. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show
1: notes, transcript, and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.